0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Well, good morning, City family. Uh, It's so uh, good to be here before you. Uh, My name is Tim. I'm on staff here. Um, You can call me Tim. There are a lot of Tims around here because it's a church. all right, but uh, <clears throat> so the last time I was up here, that was like my first time speaking, uh, and it was different because you all weren't here, so this is different, whole, whole bunch of nerves, not going to lie, but uh, this is fun. Um, but the last time I was here, you know, I received so much warmth, so much encouragement and love like, from the community, and it was really special to me, uh, and so I'm really excited to share with you what I believe uh, God wants to bring us together as a community this morning. Um, now, we've been on a series called uh, Our Missional Life, which is living out God's story, finding out how we can do that together. Uh, two weeks ago, Dr. Tan su shared a stellar message uh, called Thinking About Calling, where he talked about how we are called to follow Christ. Uh, then after that, we have a specific vocation, um, and he gave us like three points, how can we discover our calling? Uh, and I thought it was great, um, and, I, and I, I don't intend to belabor anything, uh, nor kind of take away from what he shared. Um, but as I was thinking about this idea of calling and work and all that, um, it, I, I was reminded of like a, a couple of weeks ago in, in life group, right, we were doing this uh, book study on uh, this book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan, um, good stuff, uh, and we're talking about like, you know, what, is, what does it look like to live a life of Jesus, what does it look like um, to follow like the mission, and the call of God uh, on our lives, and we got kind of confused, Uh because it kind of seems like uh, you know to follow God to follow His mission looks like full-time ministry, uh, or looks like being like overtly Christian uh, at the workplace at wherever you are, um, and and I thought back to my own life. I thought back to my own journey. Uh, now, if you, know, if you don't know, uh, I've worked in church for like five years straight out of the army, so that's uh, what. Okay, <laughs> uh, and so I was deciding between signing on. Yes. Uh, and then uh, Andre had a word with me, and here I am. <laughs> uh, but but even for someone who works in church, right, which probably like seems like oh yeah, that is like probably you know very clearly, yeah, following the mission of God and walking in uh, you know what God has called me for and stuff like that. Uh, I struggle all the time with this idea of calling. I struggle all the time with this idea of purpose. Uh, am I where I'm supposed to be? Uh, am I doing the things that I ought to be doing? How's this gonna end up? What if I need a mid-career switch and then I have no skills? Oh my, <laughs> too honest? Okay. <laughs> um, so, but but today, right, I, I come before you, you know, today as, as opposed to someone who's like kind of arrived, all specialized, all niche, uh, to tell you like, hey, just follow God, be easy one, right? Uh, I come to you as a fellow struggler uh, to, for us to explore together what it means to live a missional life, uh, a life to God's call and purposes as a young person trying to make sense of the world of God and His Kingdom, I'm not going to lie, I'm just not going to lie a lot because I do youth, it's a very Gen Z thing, just pardon that. Um, When I think of what it means to live out God's call, man, a thousand kind of images and ideas come to my mind. I think of missionaries sent to the most dangerous of places to preach preach the gospel, super self-sacrificial. I think of the many heroes of faith that I've listened to, all the different conferences that I've been to, the stories after stories of this kind of like wild, amazing life, doing signs and wonders, seeing masses come to Christ. And I think of my own mundane life, and I think, and I wonder, how in the world am I supposed to measure up with that? And while I still have those images in my head, I need to decide what I want to do for a living, right? The clock is ticking, my life is short, I'm in my 20s, uh, I'm supposed to like, spend my 20s uh, trying everything, find out what I like, uh, I'm uh, supposed to spend and, and, what, and find out what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing, and, even, and don't, you know, don't even get me started on the anxiety that comes with it. Right? When I, even when I want to step out and I want to try something, the fear of the unknown grips me. Uh, I feel like I'm reaching out in an infinite sea of options. Uh, analysis, paralysis sets in. and Because pursuing this life of calling is uh, both what I, I, I long for, but also what I fear. What I fear, but what I long for. And before I know it, I'm back to where I started. Going through the motion, letting this anxiety of the more that I could be doing kind of fade into like a low buzz At the back of my mind, what I go through day by day, sorry to start this on a rather depressing and philosophical note, (laughs) but if any of that resonated with you today, uh, I want to tell you that you're in good company, you're not alone. Uh, If you feel a gap between what you do and God's story, God's glory, I think the Bible has some answers for us today. And friends, I want to talk to you today about work as mission. That recapturing a biblical vision of work frees us to live missional lives faithful to the call of God, alive with the purpose that we truly long for. But before we get into that, allow me to pray. Father, I just thank you uh, for this opportunity that we get to dive into your word, to come together as a community to seek your will over our lives. Lord, I pray even as I speak and as I share, God, uh, let every word that I share, God, be uh, nothing more or nothing less, Lord, than what you want me to say. God, I pray that uh, your word will cut hearts today. And Lord, above all, I pray that we as a community would move to a place of encouragement, God, to be encouraged, God, into a place of pursuing your call, pursuing what you want us to do in our work and uh, finding you in all that we do. We love you. We honor you, God. We revere you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So work as mission. Uh, I think it's important for us to have a theology of work, so I'm going to spend some time getting into that, right? Now, on average, a person spends a whopping one-third of their life on work, 90,000 hours on work. Uh, Most of our week is spent on work. Uh, It's one of the first things that you, you know, if you make small talk with a person, it's one of the first things that you're like, oh, so what do you do? By the way, about small talk, you know it's small talk when people repeat things three times. Like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm, okay, okay, okay. Ah, same, same, same. (laughs) Telltale sign, ah? And I'm sorry if I've done that to you. But I wanna define work right off the bat uh, as what you give most of your time, your attention, and your energy to, right? So it's not just where you're working full-time, part-time, or the place that you draw, your salary, your place of employment. It's really whatever you spend most of your time and you devote your effort to. So if you're a student, if you're a homemaker, you're a full-time parent, what consumes your time and energy, that's your work. So that's our running definition of work today, all right? Flip page. But as much, as much of our lives are spent uh, on work is something that we don't talk about that much. We talk about how we are to behave at work, but not the inherent value of work in itself. Auth- uh, author Dorothy Sayers puts it this way, how can anyone remain interested in a religion which seems to have no concern with nine-tenths of his life. And historically, when we have talked about work, you know, much of the discussion has been about Christian work ethic, uh, how we are to behave, to be salt and light at the workplace. Uh, and that's all good uh, in, in evangelicalism. You know, Much of our theology and understanding uh, of the gospel has been centered around the fall and redemption. Familiar with the four-chapter gospel? So creation, fall, redemption, uh, restoration. I think I got a slide which I spent effort on. <laughs> You'll see, uh, effort, right? Uh, and, and, and so when, you know, when, when our theology just falls between fall and redemption, right, uh, you know, it centers around um, our sinful nature and our need for salvation, which is true, but it's not complete. Uh, and hence, it's only natural that our theology for work has been primarily surrounding uh, the need to evangelize at a workplace, uh, to model Christian behavior, and to show uh, those at our workplace what Jesus is like which are all good, but in the full biblical narrative, God's full story from Genesis all the way to the end of Revelations, uh, if we were to understand that, we get a better appreciation or a better understanding of what work is supposed to be through Scripture. Prior to the fall in Genesis 3 and past judgment in Revelations 20, if we were to go with just the middle, it would be something like going to a movie uh, 15 minutes in, right, and then leaving 15 minutes before the ending. And so you don't have these bookends to kind of frame the entire worldview. So today I want to uh, start us off by going to Genesis uh, to find out what we are made for. So let's go. Uh, Genesis 1 to to the creation account, right? Uh, And Genesis 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now the word uh, without form there uh, in verse 2 comes from the Hebrew, Hebrew word tohu, which means Uh, without shape, a place of chaos, uh, used to refer to the wilderness. And so we have this picture and this idea of like an untamed kind of primeval earth uh, in our creation account. And immediately after this, it says that God went to work, right? Uh, He created the lights, uh, the darkness, the heavens and the earth, the waters and the land, the greenery, the fields, all the creatures that live in it, creating and sustaining life on earth. And then we see ourselves come into the picture in verse 26. It says this, then God said, Let us make men in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27 So God created men in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And that was the sixth day. Uh, And in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. Uh, And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. All right? So that kind of ties up that creation account a bit. and it's interesting because it's our very first picture and, and the very first thing that we get to peer into and get to visualize about who God is, what our world is like, and what our place is to be in that world. And so with that as our basis, uh, I want to take us to two truths right, uh, that we can glean from the creation account uh, that inform the way that we think about our work. All right, the first is this, is that we were made to work. We were made to work. See, our very first picture of who God is doesn't just show him as this like, high and mighty ruler somewhere in the sky, uh, you know, kind of like whipping men and making men work to sustain him. Rather, it shows God as uh, a worker, getting his hands dirty, detailing his work in creating and sustaining life for men. The word work, when it says, uh, you know, God ended his work after uh, the sixth day which he had done, he rested, it isn't a special word. Uh, It's it's, it's the same word that's used 129 times in the Bible, and it simply means work, labor, business, as plain as it gets. And and it says that we are made in the image of this working God, not just ontologically, but functionally. It says uh, in in chapter 2, then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So if you haven't realized by this point, in paradise, mankind was working. In Eden, an ideal place called Delight, according to God's intended design, prior to the effects of the fall, work was a gift that was meant to be integral to what it meant to be human. Many of us treat work as a curse. Whenever someone asks how tired we are, we go, ah, tired lah, you know, work law. it just is what it is, right? The only time we think we thank God is when it's Friday. <laughs> TJIF, right? Work for the weekend, all the hobby, all the retirement uh, is what we look forward to, is our motto. Work is seen as a necessary evil that we tolerate so that we can enjoy life outside of it. Right? Many of us even work our backs off so that we can stop working sooner altogether. But here we see God has a very different idea of work. Tim Keller puts it this way, work is as much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. It's not simply medicine, but food for our soul. Without meaningful work, we sense significant inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So we are made to work. Second truth that I want to talk about Uh, from uh, this this passage is that we are called to create culture. Uh, In verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. So pretty straightforward, right? Procreate, fill the earth, literally multiply and cover the earth with humanity. Cover the earth with, as, as image bearers, right? Cover the earth with the image of God. But a lot of time, our understanding of this mandate stops here. So we are like, oh yeah, marriage, children, procreation. But there's a, <laughs> but there's a second part, right, to this uh, mandate that's given to man upon creation. It says God commands man to subdue the earth have dominion over every living thing. Now, what does that even mean, right? Does it mean that we're all called to be zookeepers? (laughs) Right. Now, the word subdue here is the word uh, kabash. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a pretty violent word. It means to tread down, to beat down, and to make a path. Now, I hope you're beginning to see a similarity here. In the beginning of the creation account, we see a, a world and earth that is untamed, that is in chaos, that is unformed, and we see God through work, this working God, form it, shape it into something that sustains life, into something that causes man and creation to flourish. The same way we have this call to subdue. Um, the next word there, there is, it says, um, uh, we are called to uh, take what God has uh, created for us and to cause it to flourish. The second word is dominion, right? Which means to rule over, uh, to subjugate. And that's like king and queen language, right? Um, theolo- theologians call this the cultural or the creation mandate. Um, John Mark Comer, uh, in his book Garden City, he puts it this way. We are image bearers created to rule, to partner with God in pushing and pulling the creation project forward, to work it to draw the earth's potential and unleash it for human flourishing, to cooperate with God in building a civilization where his people can thrive in his presence. In this cosmic agenda, each of us has a vocation, a calling from God, a way that God wired us, somebody to be. Something to do because the two merge in perfect symmetry. Love that quote. See, the call for God's people to partner with him in establishing his kingdom on earth didn't just start with the Great Commission Uh, or the Lord's Prayer where we are taught to pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's been his plan all along. Not just in Genesis uh, or in the here and now, but even in the age to come where we see a picture of us reigning with Christ when he returns reigning and ruling with him, partnering with him to rule and reign over the earth uh, at the end of the story in Revelations. We see a new Eden where the effects of the fall are fully redeemed, completely made whole, where the curse is lifted and there's no longer toil and pain. Every tear is wiped away. We see a new Eden where God and men are fully reunited, but not in a garden any longer, in a city, a civilization, developed, thriving, and teeming with culture. Now, obviously, we won't save the world uh, on this side of eternity, but we are called to serve it. We are called to partner with God in his redemptive plan to serve the world in this way by imaging God and seeing flourishing happen in creation, in mankind around us. That's the cultural mandate. Author David Bruce Hedgman says this, God cares not only about redeeming souls, but also about restoring his creation. He calls us to be agents not only of his saving grace, but also of his common grace. Our job is not only to build up the church, but also to build up a society to the glory of God. As agents of God's common grace, we are called to help sustain and renew his creation, to uphold the created institutions of family and society, to pursue science and scholarship, to create works of art and beauty, to heal and help all those who are suffering from the results of the fall. That's why Romans 8 8 says, all creation is groaning for the unveiling of the sons of men for them to walk in their full stature. As we look forward to the ultimate restoration of all things, we have a responsibility on this side of eternity to reveal what that's like, to reveal the future glory and hope in the very work that we were created and that we are called to do. So with that and a kind of Genesis kind of understanding of work, right, what does this mean when it comes to us uh, for work and for mission? How does this biblical vision of work free us to live a missional life for God? Um, I think it's three things, right? It redefines calling, significance, and fruitfulness uh, in our work. So firstly, I think this biblical vision of work redefines calling. The same Holy Spirit that hovered over the earth to tame it, making a garden out of it, is the same Holy Spirit that empowers us with spiritual gifts, that empowered Peter to speak to the 3,000 uh, that, empower, uh, that gives us spiritual gifts to minister unto people. The point is that our, our natural gifts are as important as our spiritual gifts in serving God. The first time the Holy Spirit filled a person in the Bible was in Exodus 31, where it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, bronze, the cutting of jewels, the carving of wood, and all manner of workmanship. So our idea of what it means to serve God isn't just like spiritual, preach the gospel. For this Bezalel character, right, it's to make beautiful things, make beautiful works that glorify God, that image Him in creation. And that means for us that God has created us and wired us, to help with his goal and plan, and that may look different for every one of us. John Tyson says, What if seamstresses and waiters, analysts and artists, mechanics and moms all saw their work as sacred and held it uh, to God with holy intent and did things for his glory so that the mundane becomes miraculous because it all played a part in the story of redemption. For someone, wired good with numbers, it may look like contributing to people's flourishing by being the best accountant you can be helping their business to flourish. Uh, For someone who loves animals and sciences, uh, it may look like stewarding God's beautiful creation as a zoologist, as a vet. It looks like using our potential, that raw potential that we are created with because we are made in this image of a working God to reveal God's image wherever we work and whatever we do. God throughout the Bible does all sorts of work, by the way. He does providential work. He sustains humanity. So think, you know, if you're in accounting, service providers, cooks, contractors, administration, that's you, revelatory work, There's teachers, educators, uh, creative work, artists, designers, and healing work, doctors, therapists. The question for us is where do we fit in? Instead of just asking God uh, who has he called me to preach the gospel to at work, uh, a question can be how can I image him? as I was created to, with my unique giftings to release beauty and bring healing to this broken and out-of-design world. Os Guinness kind of describes this redemption plan this way. He says, Grand Christian movements will rise and fall. Grand campaigns will be mounted and grand coalitions assembled. But altogether, such coordinated efforts will never match the influence of untold numbers of followers of Christ living out their callings faithfully across the vastness and complexity of modern society. What a st- stunning kind of vision for how we are to participate in God's plan that it gives us, right? So as opposed to selling all you have, uh, being a missionary or itinerant preacher, things that maybe 2 to 5% of us uh, may be called to, the call of God, the missional life which we speak of, could be a lot closer to home than we realize. It could be doing what you are good at, doing it really well, to bring flourishing to people and creation around you. And I love this because, and 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 this moves to my second uh, point, because this dignifies our work and dignifies our callings in God, whatever it looks like. The dignity of work that the gospel brings frees us from our need to chase significance in what we do. So that's my second point. (laughs) The gospel redefines significance in our work. Many of us want to build the biggest, the best, the most prestigious. Some praise hustle culture uh, of working ourselves to the bone for for significance as the way to go. We feel ourselves having to compete to prove our worth, to strain forward towards vocational accomplishments so that we are accepted, so that we are envied. Deep within, we want our name to be remembered. Occupational prestige uh, exists as a concept, an area of research where people find out preferences towards people's job based on social class. It's a thing. But yet when we look at vocation through the lens uh, of things like social economic class, we negate God's value and dignity of each person's individual calling. The Bible treats our occupations quite differently. In fact, the word vocation uh, comes from the Latin word that basically means to call. In 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 17, Paul uses strong language to promote this, right? He says, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. So I ordain in all the churches. I make that a rule in all the churches. We are to walk in the call of God. And he takes it even further, right? He makes it even more challenging uh, within the cultural context of that time because he says this, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. If you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. See, our identity is from the Lord and not from our work. We see this even in Paul's own ethos for his life, right? In Philippians 3, where he says, you know, what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. I strain towards the upward call of, of, uh, of God in Christ Jesus. Our identity and our worth is not tied to our jobs. It is secure in Christ, not destroyed by the loss of a job or the lack of recognition. So instead of using our jobs to impress others, we are free to use it to serve them well, to show them the very love of God. Now, the the previous time I preached, that was the first time I preached like, on a Sunday. La. Uh, and just to be honest, it messed me up, man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, I think, you know, many people were really kind to me, and they said really kind things, and they were really encouraging, like, really, like, oh, man, I should really like, recognize, recognize, like, the gifts of God on your life and all that. And, like, as much as I was trying to pre my heart, right, trying to, like, okay, I know this is coming, I know this is coming, whoa! I, like, failed, man. It just got to my head, man. <laughs> I thought I was hot stuff. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, and, and and I found myself beginning to negate different things, negate my work we've got, negate even uh, even responsibilities, uh, even on like subconsciously. Uh, there was there was this uh, incident at work where basically I I I, I lapsed lah, right, uh, and I, I I didn't fulfill something. Uh, I mean if you don't know. At church staff, we do different things besides <laughs> this and stuff, right? Uh, and, and I had a lapse, and I remember uh, Christine. Tex- I was texting Christine about it, and she, and she said this, responsibility to the mundane is a sign of maturity and integrity, not to gain... Uh, wait, no, that's all she said. That was just that, yeah. <laughs> the rest was my preaching. <laughs> she said, responsibility to the mundane is a sign of maturity and integrity. And wow, that got me, man. You see, I have placed my identity right in this kind of like success la, so to speak. I've placed certain some significance in the doing. Uh, and in so I, I begin to neglect uh what it means to faithfully love, to faithfully steward, to faithfully work as I work unto the Lord. So this understanding of of, of uh work redefines uh, significance in our work. And I'm making pretty good time. Last point, right, is uh, our theology of work redefines faithfulness in our work. Eh, hey, wrong. Sorry. Fruitfulness. See wrong. Context dry. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my point. <laughs> my point is, I'm like totally like just thrown off. Eh? Um, our theology of work redefines fruitfulness in our work. Let's be honest here, we live in an era of intense comparison. Advertising uh, keeps telling us of a life that we didn't know we needed. Social media inundates us with the highlights of people living their best life. While well, I feel barren and fruitless at where I'm at. I can't count the number of times I've seen someone do something amazing, be really good at what they're doing, and I immediately Google them, find out their age. They're like, oh man, what am I doing with my life? They're that good, they're that young, huh? No, just me. All right. This comparison can honestly even uh, infect and affect our spiritual lives. Uh, When we look at perhaps our faith heroes, uh, perhaps people we know who are really living out God's call, and we wonder, why doesn't my life look like that? What does fruit in our work really look like? Does it mean people coming to Christ seeing huge impact as the product of my hand? You see, our understanding of our part to play in the storyline of God redefines fruitfulness in our work because we know that we are called to serve the world, not save it. We understand that we are uniquely gifted for a unique part of God's plan, not to finish God's plan in its entirety. We can rest in the knowledge that He has all things under control, no Messiah complex needed. And I've struggled with this idea of fruitfulness in my own life a lot too. on and off, like this idea of like looking at people's journeys, uh, looking at like my faith heroes, and like seeing the kind of lives they lead, and then going like, oh, am I really like, what am I like, what am I trying to do here? Um, now I love hiking, uh, and I've been on the wrong side of the law because of my love for hiking. Uh, okay, why die? I? Mm. <laughs> Though I am now an NParks volunteer, so like, y'all better watch yourself in them forests, right? Uh, I, I remember being on a hike once, right? And I was just like enjoying nature. mm God's creation. Love it. Uh, taking it all in. Uh, and I realized like something like, wow, these trees are really beautiful. Like that's, wow, they're just astounding, right? And I realized that they are really secure. <laughs> I know it's weird to think of a tree as secure, but follow me with this. Rain or shine covered in moss or vines, a tree is a tree. It just is beautiful. Uh, it reveals the glory of God just by simply being what it is its worth is found simply in being, reflecting the creator's beauty uh, and ancient strength. So the question I asked myself was can I simply be or will I keep comparing myself to these random standards and criterias of judgment uh a while back i was I was in this in this place where I was actually pretty frustrated right uh at my own like journey, my own profession Uh, and I mean I work in church so yeah but what I mean by that is (laughs) let me pass that out Uh, I think even like working in church right okay I think like still got you know spiritual specialization like you know you got like Holy Spirit guy prayer guy so and so on and so forth Uh, and I found myself going like I don't know what guy I'm supposed to be (laughs) like am I like healing like who who am I like I don't know. Somebody give me a clue here, right? Uh, and, I, and I begin to like compare. I begin to look at people who I know both like from afar and even people like close to me who I know are like following the call of God on their lives. I begin to compare. I begin to go like, huh, at this age, they were doing this, right? And, and then like, I, I try to look at the journey and I try to see like, well, how can I game this? I begin to ask God and I was very frustrated. I was like, God, can you just tell me, you know what? Just tell me, la. just tell me like, you know, angle 20 years, right? who am I going to serve? How am I going to serve them? Then I settle for you. I go and go whatever course, go and get whatever skill I need, go and learn whatever communications, whatever kind of thing that I can do. I think that's the way we often, you know, approach, like, even, like, calling and this idea of, like, work too. you know, what's our end goal? And then, like, we try to, like, work our way there. Uh, But I I came before God uh, with all this, and uh, and I was reminded of um, a verse in John 15 that says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can't do anything. And I brought all that kind of frustration and angst to God. Uh, with like, what am I supposed to be good at how am I supposed to see like fruitfulness in all my work? Why does it look so barren? Uh, and and I had this encounter with God where, where he just came to me and spoke to me. And, and I remember like hearing him so clearly. He just told me, like, Tim, the most useful that you can be to me is when you're the most you. Not where you can copy someone else. Not where you can, like, try and game your way into being successful, gain your way into being, like, really talented just by being you, just by pursuing me, just by walking with me, abiding in me, finding out who you are in my presence, finding out what you're called for, not doing the things that you weren't called for. And I don't know how many people or how many of us here struggle with these things, right? Uh, struggle with comparison, feeling fragile in our identity, like one wrong step and we do something wrong. It's kind of... Uh, Cause things to go haywire for us. Cause us to question ourselves, self-worth. Afraid to lose our significance. But I believe that a biblical vision of work frees us to live a missional life for God, faithful to God's own very unique call for you. And if you're, you know, if, if if you have struggled, before I mentioned that regaining right? This like kind of ah, feel this gap between uh, the kingdom of God and my work. Um, if you struggle with like any of those things that that that, that I mentioned, uh, I want us to really spend some time. And I preach really fast, so we got time. <laughs> I want to spend some time to seek uh, the Lord this morning, and maybe I could get a band. Um, you know, on on Thursday, so every Thursday we have this prayer meeting with this group of people that I really love, uh, who are super faithful, and they turn up every week to wait on the Lord, to seek His face, to tarry in His presence, uh, and and on Thursday, like uh, as, as we were praying, and as I was uh, just kind of like contending uh, for God uh, on my own, I, I I felt this like desire to seek an encounter with God. I felt this and en- this desire to seek a word from God. And I don't know like what kind of uh, maybe background you have in the faith, but when I was young, you know, just like all the things that we live for, man. We just go conference after conference, like, oh man, run for every author call and all that kind of stuff because I want an encounter with God. I want an encounter with God that's going to that's gonna speak destiny over me. I want an encounter with God that's, that I'm going to hear His voice and I'm going to hear what He calls me to, who He thinks I am. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, I, I don't know when I stopped wanting that. I don't know when I, st- I started thinking that I could figure this out on my own. Uh, see with all that said uh, I think God wants to speak to us this morning if you struggle with any of those things I really believe that God has a call for you you have a place in his plan of redemption in all of creation when we look at that four part thing right creation all the way to revelations there's a place that you can find yourself right smack there exactly where God wants you to be with the very ways that you are wired, the very ways that you know, we do strengths finder, we do all these kind of different tests to kind of kind of find out who we are, what we are good at. You are wired so specifically, so carefully. God, God fashions your heart individually. He knows the number of hair that you have on your head. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I, and I want to spend some time seeking the Lord uh, this morning, even uh, in worship. I just have uh, three questions for us as we kind of ponder about work, right? Uh, one is this, how has God created me to help others flourish through my work? What are the giftings, the things that He has given me, both spiritual, both natural, that can help people to flourish, that can bless and love and serve people and creation? Two is, how am I releasing beauty in my work? And the lastly is, how am I resisting brokenness uh, at my work? Now, I know these are super open-ended questions. Uh, but, I, but I believe that God wants to speak to us today, and that you know, for some of us, it may look like having a a difficult conversation with God, right, uh, about what we are doing for our work, and like I said, not just employment, but what we spend our time and our energy on. For some of us, for some of us, is to ask God, you know, how can I approach work differently? How can I look at work through the lens of Your redemptive plan and use my gifts to serve, uh, to release beauty and to release brokenness. See, I think God is really inviting us forward into this uh, work as a calling. Uh, and even like, and I love it that, that uh, Pastor Janice just shared that uh, at the start in John 15, right? It's not this like taskmaster God that beckons us forward. That goes like, okay, you fit here, industrial, fit in, right? God calls us friends. He wants to partner with us. He wants you to journey with Him. He wants you to draw close so that you hear His voice. So that He walks you by the hand. And it's the most joyous process let me get to go on. Yeah. So with these uh, questions in mind, with you know whatever angst you may feel, uh, let's just go to the Lord today in worship. Uh, let's spend some time just talking to God. Real plain, real simple, real honest about what we do.